0: All right, so today's sermon uh, title is called Bold Prayer, right? And I think the reason why uh, this topic has been on my heart for a while, and I think it, it has really kind of intensified uh, as we've had kind of our praise and prayer night, and especially at the uh, retreat that we just had. Um, and it is this, this idea of just prayer has just been constantly on my mind, um, And I want us to really understand first, before we go into anything, that prayer is integral to to everything that you are. And I'm not saying this simply as a Christian. I'm not saying this simply as a person who believes in God. I'm saying this as just a human being, that you are made for prayer. You know, I've I've always always hated being told to do something. I've hated it. If someone tells me to sit down, I'm going to sit down because I want to sit down, not because you have told me to sit down, right? It just happens to coincide with, with you telling me to sit down, right? I, I, I will do something because I want to do it, not because you tell me to do it. That's, that's kind of my mindset. And I'm not sure if it's because I'm the youngest in my family. I'm not sure if it's because inside I'm a rebel without a cause, I don't know. Uh, But I remember growing up, I was always told to pray. And so because I was always told to pray, I never would. And so whenever I would hear a sermon on prayer, I would immediately shut off. And I would say, you know what? prayer, this topic of prayer, that's good, and I've heard this in the Bible and all this kind of stuff, but that's for people who are maybe stronger in their faith, who are these prayer warriors. This isn't really for me. This isn't really directed towards me, right? And maybe for you too, at this time in your life, prayer just isn't that important for you. Maybe in your life right now, you just don't really have this idea, this, uh, this kind of understanding of what prayer is, and so when you heard this topic of bold prayer, you're like, "What? Well, uh, maybe next time. Maybe I'm going to just kind of shut off a little bit. But I'm going to tell you that that's not true. And I'm going to tell you that this sermon is for you. I'm going to tell you why. You see, prayer is the most involuntary reflex of your heart. And it defines who you are as a human. You see, prayer shows you what you were built for. Because whether or not you believe in God, you have probably prayed. Mark Twain, who was one of the most outspoken atheists, he said that when his wife was dying of sickness, he, quote, prayed and prayed like a dog. How many times have we, in complete desperation, during the most critical times in our lives, have prayed like we were on fire. Now, I think if we hear that, people, they can immediately say, well, that's just, that's just because you're desperate. And when you're desperate, you're willing to do anything. And so that doesn't really show you what your heart is like. Because you know what? You do crazy things in the heat of the moment. You see, C.S. Lewis, he used this illustration. He said that if you want to know if there are rats in your basement, then you have to surprise your basement. In other words, if you really want to know if there are rats in your basement, you don't turn on the lights, announce to whatever's down there, hey, I'm coming down. And start stomping down, right? And you see nothing there, you say, oh okay, I guess there's no rats down there. No no no. You keep the lights off. You walk quietly. And then you pounce upon whatever is down there to really check and see what's down. You see it's it's only then that you really see what's there. What I'm saying is, is those times when you are completely surprised, is those times when an accident happens, is those times in sickness and in death, is those times when you are the most desperate, when you are the most vulnerable, when you are involuntarily moving, that shows you who you really are. And it's those times, whether you are a Christian or not, whether you believe in God or not, that you immediately go into the depths of your heart, and the depths of your heart tells you to pray. Prayer defines us. It is the core of who you are as a person. So what we're going to talk about today Wherever you are in your faith, it relates to you. You see, in the beginning of this chapter, the disciples are with Jesus and they ask this one question. It's a really simple question, but it's a really hard one. It's, how are we supposed to pray? That's it. For them, they saw that Jesus prayed and and they knew that it was important and they had learned some things before, but for them, they, they realized that they didn't know how to start. Their prayer, and so what Jesus does and instead of answering them, he does what he usually does, which is interesting. He tells them a story, and he says that there was this man sleeping in the middle of the night, and back then most homes, you see, there were just one room. They didn't have these multiple rooms everywhere. There was one room, and so in this one room was this one bed. And in this one bed, the the husband and the wife and the children, they would all sleep together. And all of a sudden, there's this knocking on the door. And you see, to knock on someone's door in the middle of the night today, man, that's a big deal, right? But back then, in order to get out of bed, you're waking up your wife, you're waking up your children, you have to light candles, you have to get a dress, all that kind of stuff. And so, to really wake someone up in the middle of the night meant that there was an emergency that only they could solve. And you see, what happens though, is that in this story, this man who knocks is not an emergency. What we learn is that this man, in fact, just has a friend over, and all he wants is some bread so that he can have a good time with his friend. How ridiculous is that? How angry would you be if someone knocked on your door, woke up your children, woke up your wife, just to ask you for some potato chips or to ask you for some popcorn to entertain his friends? But what we learn in this story is that this man who is knocking eventually gets what he asked for. He eventually does get what he wants. Why? Why would this man wake up and do all these things and actually actually obey and and listen to this other man? It's because in verse 8, Jesus says, the man gives him bread for no other reason than because of his impudence. You see, Jesus is teaching the disciples about how to pray, but it is so counterintuitive. And it's so backwards for us that it becomes hard to process. Because you see, this word impudence, another way that is translated is boldness. It's shamelessness. It's rudely. He says, it's because this man came shamelessly. It's because this man came boldly. It's because this man came rudely. That's why he gave him bread. And he says, look, that's the same exact way you need to be coming to me. How ridiculous does that sound? You see, we're taught from an early age that if someone says that you're bothering them, it means, look, you need to stop. You're bothering me. Go away. And yet we read in verse 7 that we should bother God. He says, look, you're bothering me. Keep bothering me. (laughs) He says, look, you're being relentless. Keep on being relentless. And so, when you're asking me for something, keep on asking me. And if you think that this is a one time thing, that maybe Jesus was saying this example, and yet later he says something different, Jesus tells another story in Luke 18. And in Luke 18, it's a story of a widow who comes to this indifferent judge, this unjust judge, and she asks for justice. And the judge isn't willing to give it to her. But it says that she is so persistent. She is so bold. She is so incessant that he relents. You see, Jesus says the first step to prayer is understanding how you should pray. It's boldly. It's incessantly. It's shamelessly. And that's why, that's why prayer is connected to knocking, knocking. Have you ever noticed that? Knock and you will seek. If you're going to see someone and you go to their door, who, who in this entire world has ever knocked just one time? That's weird, right? You go, who does that? Why would you ever do that? If you're inside a home and you're, you're just hanging out, and you're watching a movie, and you hear, oh, of course, I'm going to go to the door and open. No, you're going to say, what, does something fall down? Like, what, what happened, right? You're going you're gonna to be wondering what that is. No, no, when you, when you knock, you will always repeat your knocks. It's, that's what knocking is. And that's why knocking is connected to prayer. It's meant for you to continue, to pursue, to persist in. But one thing I want to make sure before we move on with these two stories is that this story that we just read here and the story of the judge are parables, and parables are different than a lot of other literary forms of writing and, and even allegories, anything like that. And the reason why is because parables are meant to explain one point. And so for us, when we look at these stories, we can become disappointed because we relate God to this person who seems very indifferent. We relate God to this neighbor who is, is cold, We relate God to this unjust and indifferent judge. But you see, this parable and the parable in in Luke 18 is meant to explain just one question. It's meant to have just one point. You see, the question that Jesus is answering is not, how does God receive prayers? No, no, that's not what he's trying to answer. The question that Jesus is answering is, how are we supposed to pray? That's what our focus is on. That's the focus of Jesus. That's what these stories are all supposed to lead to. You see, the judge and the neighbor are only there to support the main question. That's it, nothing else. And you see, the way that Jesus says that we should pray, the the way that we should always go to the Lord is relentlessly, as boldly, as incessantly. You see, the reason why this idea of prayer, is so difficult is because praying boldly and continuously, it seems like a lack of trust in God. That when you pray and when you pray unendingly, when you pray incessantly, when you pray almost rudely, it seems like you're almost questioning the authority of God. And it seems like you are saying, God, I don't trust you enough to remember this. God, I don't trust you enough to really put you all in control of this. And so, God, I'm going to keep on praying because I want my will to be done. But Jesus, he answers this question as well. Because he says that there is a way to pray boldly. But he says that there's a way to pray boldly and also hold on to that trust. And it comes down to one thing. It comes down to whether or not you believe God is your father. You see, in verses 5 through 10, Jesus uses this illustration of a neighbor. But all of a sudden, in verses 11 to 13, the metaphor completely changes. And he begins talking about prayer in terms of family. And even when Jesus teaches about prayer in other parts, he starts his own prayer by saying, our Father who art in heaven. He never says, our friend, our neighbor, our judge. He never uses any of the other language that we use for God. He says, our Father who art in heaven. Why would Jesus keep using family language? You see, it's because Christian prayer only makes sense when you connect it to the relationship between the father and his child. That's it. To truly trust and bother God at the same time is only something a child can do. And it's only something a child can truly understand and get away with. You know, when children ask for something... They are so aggressive about it. I, one of the things that I enjoy, well, I don't know if it's enjoy, but I go to, when I go to Tyson's, whenever I, there are times when I pass by like the Lego uh, store, right? And it's so funny because I see kids, one after another, being dragged out by their parents, just crying, just bawling, right? And I, it's not funny, but it's kind of, it's, kinda, it's like, you know, it's, just, it's, it's, it's endearing. It's endearing because for them, they, they know what they want. And they're willing to go to their parents again and again and just cry and, and wear their heart on their sleeve. And say, I want that. I want that. I want that. And we don't do that as adults. Because, sure, maybe we can ask for something once, but we're not going to ask for it again and again. That's, that's desperate. That's, that hurts our pride. That hurts our self-esteem. So we're going to think that in the back of our minds, sure. But we might, we're just going to ask for it maybe once. But for kids, they ask and they compromise and they beg and they cry. You see, in the book of Genesis, God, he comes to Abraham and he tells him that he's going to destroy the city of Sodom and Gomorrah. And he says, look, if you have any relatives there, I need, them, I need you to take them out. And Abraham, he prays to God. And he says, look, if there are just 50 good people there, please save the city. God, I just pray that if there's just 50 good people, 50 people who believe in you, then, then just allow this city to continue existing. And so God says, okay. Abraham goes back to God and says, no, actually, God, if there's 45 good people, if there's just 45 good people, then please let this city still live. God says, okay. Abraham goes back and says, actually, if there's 40 people, God, if there's 30 people, God, if there's 20 people, God, actually, if there's just 10 good people there, please let this city keep on existing knock, 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 knock. How would Abraham have the audacity to pray like this? Where would he get that type of relentless courage and boldness? You know, one of my favorite bands growing up was the Foo Fighters. Uh, I used to listen to them a lot, and I, lay, I actually love Dave Grohl as, as a musician, as an artist. I, I think he's so talented. He's uh, he plays every instrument to a professional level, um, and I remember I was watching a video of him, and he was practicing a song um, in his studio with a bunch of people, right? And, and he's so respected, and so these people are just listening to like his every word and, and l- looking at how he strummed. And I was just like trying to just watching it in awe of the of him too, and all of a sudden you just see this like, little figure just like, run into the room, and it's this like, four-year-old daughter. And she runs into the middle of the room and just, just keeps on hitting his shoulder. And he's trying to play, and he starts to laugh. And she says, "Look, Dad, you, you promised that we would go swimming. Well, when are we going to go swimming? Right? And so he has to stop everything and just sit down and say, hey, I, when I finish what I'm doing, then, then we can go. I'm, I'm sorry. I just wait a little bit, right? And so she she just sighs and just leaves the room. You see, for her, she has unconditional access to him at any time and at any place. Who else in this entire world can say that? You see, if someone treated you the way a four-year-old treated their father, that would be rude, that would be inappropriate, but if it's your daughter, if it's your son, then of course that's okay. Of course that's fine. See, John one twelve, it says, but to all who received him, to all who believed in him, he gave the right to become children of God. When you become a Christian, you are adopted into his family. He is your father. You are his child. And for you, when you come to him in prayer, and when he's talking about this kind of relentless, bold prayer that combines prayer with trust, it will only ever make sense when you think of him as your father. There is no other type of relationship where you will ever, ever be able to come to him incessantly shamelessly, but also with complete and absolute trust. See, for most of us, our prayers are so formal. And we're only willing to pray when we're in a bind or or we want something. And that's why I think for so many of us, our prayers are never certain. For a lot of us, we don't really believe that God is our Father. We're not sure of our identity in Him. And so for us, we're never willing to come to God with that type of shamelessness, with that type of reckless abandon. And so for us, there's always this barrier, there's always this wall when we pray because we're never willing to be truly intimate with him. He's our shepherd, sure. He's our God to a point. But is he our father? No. And when you never allow God to be your father, when you are never really his child, there will never be a certainty, there will never be an assurance of your salvation or of your faith when you pray. You see, there are two ways that we pray. The first is praying and saying, God, I'm going to do my best to live a good life. I'm going to help serve. I'm going to give back. And because of this, I'd like for you to give me these things. You see, the other way that we pray is to say, God, you are my father. God, you you need to save me. You need to help me because I can't do it on my own. I'm going to trust you so hear me because I am your child. See, one of these is a Christian prayer. One of these is the way that Jesus teaches us to pray and the other is not. For us, we can pray relentlessly, we can pray aggressively, but none of this matters if you don't trust God. You know, in the Lord's Prayer, there's a part that says, let your will be done. God, let your will be done. And what that means is that when you pray with this idea of praying relentlessly, what you're also doing is praying with the underlying foundation of trust in God. You know, Tim Keller, he, he told this story of when he was younger. He was dating this uh, girl that uh, wouldn't later become his wife, uh, but he really liked her. He really liked her. Um, but he kind of felt that she wasn't really that into him. <laughs> um, so he prays like crazy, and he prays that they would fall in love. God, God, would you help me to become the man that you want me to be? Would you help me to fall in love with her? Would you help her to fall in love with me? Would you help us to get engaged and get married and live the life that you want us to live, Right. And he was talking about this experience, about this prayer that he did. And and he was looking back and he was so thankful because he realized that there was a safety net when it comes to biblical prayer. He says that most prayers that we pray, because we do come with sincerity, they have this good core, but they also have this stupid part. That's what he says. The good core was, God, give me what I need in order to become the person you want me to become. Right? That is a good prayer. That is a prayer that you should be praying. The stupid part was, it's got to be her. Right? It's got to be her. You see, when you put the boldness of prayer with the foundation of trust in God, then God will give you the good core without the stupid part. When you put these two things together, when you pray incessantly and when you pray shamelessly, and yet at the end of the prayer, you are willing to say, let your will be done, what you're doing is believing that God will give you what you would have asked for if you knew what he knew. The boldness of prayer with the foundation of trust. Jesus, he taught this to the disciples, but he lived it out also. You see, at the end of his life, he went to this place called the Garden of Gethsemane. And he went there because he was so overwhelmed with what was going to happen. He knew that he was going to die. And so he went there to pray. And he begins his prayer by saying, Father... Father. and he says Father this is so much for me to bear this cup is so overwhelming if there's any way can you pass this from me can you let someone else take this from me but at the end he says let your will be done and on the cross he took our sins he died for us And there was no complaint, there was no anger, there was no hatred, there was only trust. In his worst moment, even in his relentless prayer, he trusted in God. Can we say that as well? Can we be like Job who, in his pain and in his confusion, he said, though he slay me, I will praise him. Prayer is innately within us. But it is not simple and it is not easy. You see, praying this type of prayer, it challenges the very core of who you are. Church, when do you pray? Do you pray only when you are desperate? Do you pray only when you are in trouble? Praying in desperation shows that you are a human, not that you are his child. If up to this point you have not known God as your father, then start now. Start today. It's not too late. What that means is that you are going to God. You are running to him in the middle of the room you're tugging at his sleeve and you're crying out to him and saying, God, I I want this. I want to be more of who you want me to be. God, I, I want to be, I desire to be used by you. God, I desire to be the person that you want me to be and I would like for these things to happen. But God, even if they don't, let your will be done. God, even if those things don't happen, I'll be okay. God, because I trust in you. Are you willing to pray relentlessly? Are you willing to pray incessantly? Are you willing to pray boldly? But with the foundation of trust. Go to him. He is your father. He hears you. Let's pray.